When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. This episode is brought to you by Google. Google's two-step verification was built to secure your account and help prevent cyber attacks, even if your password is compromised. That's why Google has made it easy to sign into your account with this additional layer of protection. Just one tap and you're in. Learn more at safety.google. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DeGorio. For today's podcast, I'm going to be talking why are video game movies terrible. Then I'm going to be moving into the 1990s. That's right. After 30 years, the movie House Party is going to be remade. Then after that, I'm going to be talking about the Craft remake. That's right. 1996 was the year that the Craft came out, and they're actually making a remake for that movie. And they also got their four lead roles for their movie, The Craft. Four female lead roles. And then I'm going to be going down to season four of Glow. That's right. I'm going to do a little bit of TV talk about this, about Glow, because I'm a diehard fan of the TV series Glow. And this is actually going to be the fourth and final season for Glow. So, with further ado, let's go ahead and get into this thing. So, as everybody knows, video game adaption type movies do not do well at the box office. They don't do well with fan base or anything like that, because I think our expectations actually or set to a high standard to the point where we think that it's going to be just like the video game that we play. But the main thing is, why are they so terrible? And why do we keep putting our trust that they're actually going to make a decent film? So, you know, I really enjoyed Double Dragon. Even though that's actually the marker for some of the bad and cheesy stuff from the 90s, I'll still go on hand, I'll still sit in front of the TV, and I'll still watch that because of the fact that it brings back my childhood and it's actually a guilty pleasure of mine because I actually enjoy the Double Dragon uh, movie and I also enjoy the t- uh, animated TV series as well. Even the video game itself I enjoy. But as for a movie itself, I even know for a fact that it's outdated. I even know that the special effects are even outdated. And I even know the too that they actually need to go ahead and remake this movie. I don't know if it's actually going to be that well-grounded compared to how the video game video game movies are today or video games in general but i feel like if there's any type of movie any type of video game that needs to be remade or rebooted it's this one because of the fact that i think there's going to there is a huge fan base for double dragon still it's just that you have to reintroduce double dragon into this generation and i think once you actually reintroduce double dragon into this generation i think it'll take off but for right now it's just dust in the wind. I don't see it happening, but I think that it can actually work. Then you also have the very first Tomb Raider movie that came out in 2001, and you know what? I actually liked the very first Tomb Raider movie with Angelina Jolie. I feel like that she actually captured Laura Croft for what she is, and I felt like, too, that the action in it was really good, but even then, some of the uh, sequences some of the action sequences were really good but some of it was actually kind of cheesy in a way that really feel like it was kind of campy but overall let's just be honest that movie was actually pretty decent for what it was during that time and the second movie with her in it wasn't so much but the introduction of Laura Croft the introduction to Angelina Jolie as Laura Croft was very spot on to how the video game adaption is 
And I think that was actually one of the better video game adaption movies. But then there's Mortal Kombat that came out in 93. And I, you know what, back in those days, I would have to say that was actually a really good video game adaption movie. But if you look at the special effects today, it just doesn't hold up. It doesn't have the edge that it had back then either. And the fan base has gotten even bigger because of the fact that it's still an ongoing franchise even today. And I'm happy that it's actually being rebooted. I'm not one of those people that are saying, Oh dear, you go out there and reboot this movie, da 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 da. Let's just be honest here. The it's crappy, the dialogue is really bad, everything else is really bad in this movie. It needs to be rebooted. And James Wan being attached to this movie makes it even makes me even more excited of the fact that we're even gonna get a Mortal Kombat movie being rebooted, and he's also going to be producing it. His name is just not going to be slapped on there and say, produced by James Wan. No. His name is going to be plastered on it, his fingerprints are going to be on it, and he's actually going to be having some control with the Mortal Kombat movie itself. And then he's also adapting the characters. It's going to be character-driven. It's going to be dark. It's going to be horror-based. It's going to have all the edge, every all the layers to every character that we even loved in the video games. So that makes me even excited for that. Then I'm gonna also, Then there's also this, too. The Assassin's Creed video game uh, adaption of the movie and everything wasn't great at all. The ominous thing, that the, the way they did this, the way they ended up presenting what we know from the very first Assassin's Creed, I didn't like how they did it. I didn't like how they set everything up. I like Michael Fassbender as a as an actor. I like what he tried to do with the character. I liked that aspect. But as a movie as a whole, I did not enjoy Assassin's Creed like I wanted to. And I had Assassin's Creed up to a higher standard. And I went back and rewatched it, and I just, that movie is, yet again, terrible. It's not for me. And, you know, when they first announced it, I was excited. I'm like, yes, we're going to get an Assassin's Creed movie. Then they changed the main character. It's not going to be the character that we normally see. It's not going to be Deadman. Deadman and it's not going to be the original character that we that we had from the very first Assassin's Creed. It's going to be someone else. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a chance anyways, even though it's not the character that I know. But I like the fact that they tried to do something different. And even though it didn't work, at least I can give them credit for actually trying to take some type of thing to where they can actually adapt it a little bit better. But it just winded up failing. And then there's also another movie that wasn't even that great either, which was World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft wasn't even that great of a movie. It didn't even do that well at the box office. I think, too, that they also waited too long to even do this movie because half the people that played World of Warcraft during that time... And everything had moved on since World of Warcraft. And even if those people actually picked up their subscriptions and everything later on, after playing, after actually watching World of Warcraft, pretty much the hype kind of burned down and there's just nothing there. And I think the reason why these video game adaption movies that they don't do so well and why they're not so grounded is because of the fact that, you know, you can't really tell a two and a half hour story in the way that we want to actually be told in. Like, we get to do all these missions, all these adventures with these characters. And it's just so hard to have everything all compacted in to where it's good storytelling. And I think if they changed the model out a little bit, I think if they got the layers and the stuff well-grounded enough, I think that we could actually have a well-based movie for video game adaptions. And as a matter of fact, 
last year, or the year before last, we had the Tomb Raider movie that got rebooted and remade. And I'm going to be honest with you, I prefer that over the Angelina Jolie one because of the fact that it actually dealt with Laura's origin story that they actually had from the original video game. The stunt work was really good. The camera angles were really good. The only thing that I didn't like was the fact that they got Walter, um, Walter, I'm just going to call him Walter Hannigan. I forgot his actual name, but he played the main antagonist. He also played on Justified. I love him, um, as an actor and everything, and he can add layers to his character whenever he's given that chance to actually add layers to his character. But the whole fact is, you didn't give this actor any type of credibility to what he can do. He made, they made him a one-layer character, and he could actually do a lot more than what he was perceived to do. But you just went on ahead and gave him one-layer character. That's one-layer character for the main antagonist. And you know what? I'm okay with them doing it sometimes or whatever. But when you bring in an actor like this, I was expecting a lot more from that character. But that's just how I was looking at it. But as for a movie as a whole, it totally worked for me. The whole entire stunt work, the camera angles, everything for uh, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider worked. And I think that if they made more movies like that, we would actually get more grounded uh, video game adaption movies. Another thing too, I feel like I, it's easy to say that Netflix is actually the best way to go about making a Bioshock movie or TV show or a Hulu to do a Bioshock, but I would love to see a Bioshock TV show, either animated or live action. I would love to see that come to life. You have the perfect balance between sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, the horror elements and everything in that story where you can actually make it well-grounded. You can make it horror. You can make it the way it needs to be made and also have these characters fleshed out the way they deserve to be fleshed out. And video game adaption movies are actually really hard to actually make. And, like I said, two and a half hours to tell a story and give you the groundwork that we know and love is really hard. Unless you go ahead and make this a three-hour-long movie, which I don't mind seeing a three-hour-long movie on something I like. For example, I went to see Endgame. Endgame was a good movie. I didn't feel like I was sitting there for three hours at all. I felt like I was in the theater for about an hour and so more minutes. I didn't feel like I was in there for three hours. And that's exactly how I want to feel with going and seeing a certain movie that's actually past the two-and-a-half-hour marker. And... I even went to see It, and It was three hours, but I could actually feel the whole entire thing with it being three hours because of the slow pace. I'm okay with slow pacing movies. I'm okay with that as long as it's, as long as the tension is released later on where it gives us the full effect where I actually feel like that the payoff in the end is really good. But aside from that, I'd like to see a Bioshock movie or TV show adaption, I think it would be really great. I think it will actually make everybody geek out and really sweaty over it. I'm excited to, to even be talking about the possibility that it could even happen because I'm not, because here's the thing, I would love to see it happen, but we're talking about a big, huge budget for this thing, probably about $240 million or $250 million going into this whole entire thing when you look at special effects and PR and stuff like that. And usually when you make a movie like this, we're doing $250 million. It's hard to actually get the money back. It's easy to make a movie for about seven or $7 million to $4, million, four to $7 million because you can actually make your money back quicker that way instead of paying $150 million or more to make a certain film. But I think that it would actually be amazing. That's just how I'm looking at it. I think it would be great to see a Bioshock movie. Then 
of course, I'd like to see a Killer Instinct um, vi- video game adaption movie. I'd like to actually have a little bit more of a style uh, of what Mortal Kombat, what they're trying to do with Mortal Kombat. I would like to actually see that in the live action aspect. But, you know, like I said, there's a lot of misses when it comes to video game adaption movies. And it's very rare that we actually have a good video game adaption movie. And I think, too, I think we should either go with Hulu or Netflix if we're actually going to do this thing. Because they can actually flesh out what they need to flesh out. And it can actually balance itself out. But if Mortal Kombat is a success, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same formula that they're doing with Mortal Kombat. That somebody else was like, hmm, you know what? This movie made this much amount of money. They're doing this with this. Maybe we should go on ahead and start doing it the way they did it. And we can actually get well-grounded actors. We can get well-grounded characters. We can get the layers that we need for these characters. And we can make it powerful. We can make it power-driven. We can do everything that we need to do. So that's just the way I'm looking at it whenever it comes down to video game adaption movies. And everything, but I like to actually know what your take on it. Why do you think that they're so terrible? Why do you think that they can't get fleshed out the way that it needs to be fleshed out? I like to know. Matter of fact, I'm gonna end up putting a link below to some to the voicemail section. I I recommend that you guys do it because I like to actually hear your voicemail messages and tell me what you guys think. Because it's not it doesn't matter what I think; it's a matter of what you guys think. So, with further ado, let me go ahead and move into the house party. Remake. And like I mentioned before, this is 30 years ago in 1990. Now get this. In the 90s, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have smartphones. We didn't have social networking. We didn't have GPS systems. We didn't have any of that. All we had was a landline phone and we also had uh, pay phones as well. That's the only two sources of, of ways of calling somebody. We didn't have all this technology. And I feel like, too, with them remaking this thing, the the thrill of feeling like that you can get away with something when you know you basically can't, that aspect is actually going to be gone because of the, all the technology that these kids actually have today. Because let's look at 16 Candles. The parents go out of town. The kid throws a party. Then there's that aspect of, oh, God, I'm going to get caught. Because my parents might be coming home. So I have to get all these people out. I have to go in and clean the house. I don't know when they're coming back. But I know they're going to be coming. So I need to go on ahead and get everything done. And that's the same thing with house party. They throw a house party. They know that they're going to probably get busted. But they're going to have a good time anyways. Because they feel like that they can get away with something when they and everything. But in the back of their heads, they know that they can't. Because in the end, their parents are going to wind up busting them in the end. But with like I said, the technology... And everything, they can't really get away with anything compared to how we grew up in the 90s. Where we felt like we could get away with anything because of all the technology that they have. It's just way too much technology to where the parents can actually track you on the GPS. Where parents can actually track you on your phone. Parents can also track you with your smartphone, tablets, anything. The only way that you can actually do this is with a flip phone or a throwaway phone. That's the only way that I could see this movie working. Other than that, I don't see this movie actually working at all. I remember whenever I heard about this last year, whenever I discovered that they were going to remake this movie, and now it's resurfaced again. I just don't see anybody asking for a house party movie. Then again, nobody's asking for any kind of movie if you think about it. Do we actually need a a certain movie? No, we just think that we need a certain movie. But we don't actually need a movie, if you know what I mean. But 
this to me is one of those movies that I feel like that we shouldn't even be wasting our time on because it's it's been 30 years since the original House Party movie. The franchise is pretty much dust in the wind. And, you know, I think there's actually better movies that you can actually remake or reboot. And I'm not one of those people, like I said before, where like, oh, how dare you do that? I can still pick up a certain movie off my shelf. It's not going to be like Back to the Future where you go on ahead and you're wondering where what happened to it because it got erased. No, you're still going to have this full context. You're still going to have the original movie. Yeah, it may not be good as the... Uh, the remake may not be as good as the original, but hey, at least you'll still have the original in its pristine condition and you can watch it anytime you want to. It's not going to disappear. It's not going to disintegrate off the shelf. So that's the way I look at it. And there are a couple of remakes that I actually enjoy. So now I'm going to move on to the Kraft remake in 19, from 1996. Now, I wanted this to be a reboot because when you do a reboot, you can actually get rid of everything that they did in the original movie and you can actually go ahead and make it your own thing. You can actually put your own themes into it. You can actually put your own characters into it. You can make it different and make it separate from what the original movie is. Opposed to a remake, remake is just a paint-by-your-numbers, same type of flavor type of deal where you actually get the same stuff from the, from the original movie and it's actually being told by the same characters but by different actors and actresses. And that's exactly what they're doing with the remake because the remake is the same plot as the original plot for the craft. Now, here's the thing. I don't really know too much about these actors, these actresses or anything like that. But I like the fact that they're going with some of them. For the simple fact, they're going with Gideon uh, Adlon and uh, Lovey Simone and Zo- Zoe Lona. Adelon actually played in Society and block, the John Cena comedy Blockers. And Simone Green, Greenleaf played in the season finale of Fox's Pose. And Galley uh, uh, played in Pacific Rim Uprising and Bad, Bad Times at the El Royal. And you know what? I, I really do hope these girls knock it out of the park. Because it's going to be really hard to actually cover what Nave Campbell did and everything else. But here's the thing. I'm not looking to compare these actresses to those actors and actresses because of the fact that everybody can actually bring a certain level to a certain movie. And I think these girls can actually do what they have to do. But I'm kind of disappointed with the fact that this is going to be a same type of rehash of the remake. For uh, It's going to just be a remake of the original movie opposed to doing a reboot. And that kind of makes me kind of hesitant because I really don't want to see a same type of paint-by-your-numbers thing. But if there's a way to actually enhance the effects, if there's a way to actually enhance the story being told, I'm, I'm counting in. But until I see a trailer right now, I'm just kind of hesitant. But as far as the actresses go, I haven't seen them act on anything, especially Pacific Rim Uprising or anything like that. But it makes me want to check out some of their films so that way I can go on ahead and say, okay... Maybe this actress can go and bring this level <clears throat> to these characters the way that I think that they can actually do. So I'm not going to judge these act- actresses on something that I haven't seen yet because of the fact that I haven't seen them act in anything. But it still makes me kind of excited but also kind of hesitant with the way they're actually doing the movie. Um, the way the writers are actually doing it. But on that though, I think it might be pretty decent. We just gonna have to sit back, relax, and see what's going on with it. And now I'm going to talk about season four of Glow. 
Now, if you've been following me for a while, I've been a huge fan of Glow since last year or a couple of months back whenever I first started watching it. And it takes place in the 1980s. It's dealing with women wrestling and it's a TV show that took place in the 1980s based off of fictional characters uh, from Netflix. And, you know, I really dig it. I really, I didn't think that I was actually gravitate towards this kind of thing, but man, the character levels are really good. The character depth is good. The stunt work is really good for these women. Not only that, but you can also relate to some of these characters and stuff like that. And the characters get flushed out every single season to where you can actually relate to them. The writing has gotten better since the first season. And for them that want to end it on the fourth season, I say, okay, let them end it on a high note. Because here's the thing. When you get past five seasons of something, it becomes repetitive. To the point where it's like, okay, what can I do with these characters that can be different? And it's still going to be the same old schnick over and over again. And you want to be able to do something to make these characters grow. So maybe doing only four seasons of something is actually a smart move. Because even Kurt Sutter himself, the guy who made Sons of Anarchy, said once you get past five seasons, it's just hard for him to actually write something more for more seasons. And it becomes repetitive. And everybody's like, okay, this is going to become more predictable. And I think that doing four seasons is actually a smart move. Especially the way the third season ended. And I'm not going to get into spoiler territory with it in case you're actually interested in this. But it ended when they were in the airport. And it's on Christmas. And that's all I'm going to say. But you're wondering what's going to happen to these characters. How are they going to grow after all the events that happened in Vegas? What's going to happen with certain relationships after Vegas? Everything that happened on the third season was just great. I liked how real they were with the third season. You can actually relate to these characters, especially when you're dealing with the LGBT stuff too. You can actually you can actually have people that can actually relate to their sexuality, question their sexuality, and stuff like that. And they can people can relate to these characters in a way that nobody can actually relate to. And that's something that we actually need to have nowadays to where we can actually feel like that we can relate to a certain character because we want to be able to see a certain character in us and stuff like that. And it can actually bring it bring the, the actors or actresses can actually bring that out of that character to where it can actually make you feel something. But I'm all I'm all for the fact that they're gonna do this thing with only four seasons. I say, bravo, you guys knocked it out of the park for three three seasons. Let's do one more and end it on a high note with season four. Because I've seen where shows suck after the fifth season. Once you go into seven seasons, it sucks. Look at True Blood. The writing for that show, even after Alan Ball left, that show sucked. I loved, I loved the first couple of seasons, and then after that, it just started going downhill. But I stuck with it because I was hoping the writing would actually get better because I was sucked into the whole entire characters. I was sucked into the whole entire fantasy and horror aspect of that show, and I just didn't like the ending for that. And then same thing with The Sopranos. I love The Sopranos and everything, but let's just call it what it is. I didn't get any closure out of that last season, and the last season felt kind of rushed. And for them to want to do four seasons, go ahead, do it. Do it on a high note, and that'll be it. So anyways, that's going to be the end of this show for this segment. But tomorrow, I'm going to have a non-spoiler review for Rambo Last Blood. And I hope that you guys stick around for that. I'm actually going to have some other topics to talk about besides Rambo 
and everything. I'm just going to probably do maybe a 12-minute uh, non-spoiler review just for Rambo. And then after that, I'm going to go into other topics that I want to talk about. Because this is a podcast, and I would like to actually do longer episodes besides 30 minutes. I want to do something for like an hour. And then, don't forget this. Starting towards the end of the month, I'm going to be doing a 31 Days of Horror on the podcast itself. Normally, I go ahead and talk about this on the page. But I feel like I can actually do things better with a podcast. Because I can actually explain why I like a certain movie. And and my passion in my voice. So that way I can actually project it. To where people can actually tell that this is why I like a certain horror movie and stuff like that. So each day I'm going to be doing that for 31 days of different horror movies that I like. So stay tuned. Let me know what you guys think of this show. Let me know what you guys think of this segment. Send in your voicemail messages. And until next time. Bye-bye.